Chapter 8 of Practical Religion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Practical Religion by J.C. Ryle. Chapter 8 Zeal. Zeal is a subject, like many others in religion, most sadly misunderstood. Many would be ashamed to be thought zealous Christians. Many are ready to say of zealous people what Festus said of Paul. They are beside themselves. They are mad. Acts 26 verse 24. But zeal is a subject which no reader of the Bible has any right to pass over. If we make the Bible a rule of faith and practice, we cannot turn away from it. We must look it in the face. What says the Apostle Paul to Titus? Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us of all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Titus 2 verse 14. What says the Lord Jesus to the Lysodian church? Be zealous and repent. Revelation 3 verse 19. My object in this paper is to plead the cause of zeal in religion. I believe we ought not to be afraid of it, but rather to love and admire it. I believe it to be a mighty blessing to the world, and the origin of countless benefits to mankind. I want to strike a blow at the lazy, easy, sleepy Christianity of these later days, which can see no beauty in zeal, and only uses the word zealot as a word of reproach. I want to remind Christians that zealot was the name given to one of our Lord Jesus Christ's apostles, and to persuade them to be zealous men. I ask of every reader of this paper to give me his attention while I tell him something about zeal. Listen to me for your own sake, for the sake of the world, for the sake of the Church of Christ. Listen to me, and by God's help I will show you that to be zealous is to be wise. Let me show, in the first place, what is zeal in religion. 2. Let me show, in the second place, when a man can be called rightly zealous in religion. Let me show, in the third place, why it is a good thing for a man to be zealous in religion. First of all, I propose to consider this question. What is zeal in religion? Zeal in religion is a burning desire to please God, to do His will, and to advance His glory in the world in every possible way. It is a desire which no man feels by nature, which the Spirit puts in the heart of every believer when he is converted, but which some believers feel so much more strongly than others that they alone deserve to be called zealous men. This desire is so strong when it really reigns in a man that it impels him to make any sacrifice, to go through any trouble, to deny himself to any amount, to suffer, to work, to labor, to toil, to spend himself and be spent, and even to die, if only he can please God and honor Christ. A zealous man in religion is preeminently a man of one thing. It is not enough to say that he is earnest, hearty, uncompromising, thoroughgoing, wholehearted, fervent in spirit. He only sees one thing. He cares for one thing. He lives for one thing. He is swallowed up in one thing, and that one thing is to please God, whether he lives 
or whether he dies, whether he has health or whether he has sickness, whether he is rich or whether he is poor, whether he pleases man or whether he gives offense, whether he is thought wise or whether he is thought foolish, whether he gets blame or whether he gets praise, whether he gets honor or whether he gets shame. For all this, the zealous man cares nothing at all. He burns for one thing, and that one thing is to please God and to advance God's glory. If he is consumed in the very burning, he cares not for it. He is content. He feels that, like a lamp, he is made to burn. And if consumed in burning, he has but done the work for which God has appointed him. Such an one will always find a spear for his zeal. If he cannot preach and work and give money, he will cry and sigh. And yes, if he is only a pauper on a perpetual bed of sickness, he will make the wheels of sin around him drive heavily by continually interceding against it. If he cannot fight in the valley with Joshua, he will do the work of Moses, Aaron, and Hur on the hill. Exodus 17 verses 9 through 13. If he is cut off from working himself, he will give the Lord no rest till help is raised up from another quarter and the work is done. This is what I mean when I speak of zeal in religion. We all know the habit of mind that makes men great in this world, that makes such men as Alexander the Great, or Julius Caesar, or Oliver Cromwell, or Peter the Great, or Charles the Twelfth, or Marlborough, or Napoleon, or Pitt. We know that, with all their faults, they were all men of one thing. They threw themselves into one grand pursuit. They cared for nothing else. They put everything else aside. They counted everything a second rate and of subordinate importance compared to the one thing that they put before their eyes every day they lived. I say that the same habit of mind applied to the service of the Lord Jesus Christ becomes religious zeal. We all know the habit of mind that makes men great in the sciences of this world, that makes such men such as Archimedes or Sir Isaac Newton or Galileo or Ferguson the astronomer or James Watt. All these men were of one thing. They brought the powers of their minds into one single focus. They cared for nothing else beside. And this was the secret of their success. I say that this same habit consecrated to the service of God becomes religious zeal. We know the habit of mind that makes men rich, that makes men amass mighty fortunes and leave millions behind them. What kind of people were the bankers and merchants and tradesmen who have left a name behind them as men who acquired immense wealth and became rich from being poor? They were all men that threw themselves entirely into their business and neglected everything else for the sake of that business. They gave their first attention, their first thoughts, the best of their time, and the best part of their mind to pushing forward the transactions in which they were engaged. They were men of one thing. Their hearts were not divided. They devoted themselves, body, zeal, soul, and mind to their business. They seemed to live for nothing else. I say that if you turn that habit of mind to the service of God and his Christ, it makes religious zeal. A. Now this habit of mind 
this zeal was the characteristic of all the apostles. See for the example the Apostle Paul. Hear him when he speaks to the Ephesian elders for the last time. None of these things move me, neither count I life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry that I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Acts 20 verse 24. Hear him again when he writes to the Philippians. This one thing I do, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3 verses 13 through 14. See him from the day of his conversion, giving up his brilliant prospects, forsaking all for Christ's sake, and going forth to preach that very Jesus whom he had once despised. See him going to and fro throughout the world from that time, through persecution, through oppression, through opposition, through prisons, through bonds, through afflictions, through things next to death itself, up till the very day when he sealed his faith with his blood and died at Rome, a martyr for that gospel which he had so long proclaimed. This was true religious zeal. This again was the characteristic of the early Christians. They were men everywhere spoken against. Acts 28 verse 22. They were driven to worship God in dens and caves of the earth. They often lost everything in the world for their religion's sake. They generally gained nothing but the cross, persecution, shame, and reproach. But they seldom, very seldom, went back. If they could not dispute, at least they could suffer. If they could not convince their adversaries by argument, at any rate they could die and prove that they themselves were in earnest. Look at Ignatius cheerfully traveling to the place where he was to be devoured by lions, and saying as he went, Now do I begin to be a disciple of my master, Christ. Hear old Polycarp before the Roman governor, saying boldly, when called upon to deny Christ, Four score and six years have I served Christ, neither hath he ever offended me in anything. And how then can I revile my king? This was true zeal. See, this again was the characteristic of Martin Luther. He boldly defied the most powerful hierarchy that the world had ever seen. He unveiled its corruptions with an unflinching hand. He preached the long-neglected truth of justification by faith. In spite of anthemas and excommunications, fast and thickly poured upon him. See him going to the Diet at Worms and pleading his cause before the emperor and the legate and a host of children of this world. Hear him saying, when men were dissuading him from going and reminding him of the fate of John Huss, though there were a devil under every tile on the roofs of Worms, in the name of the Lord I shall go forward. This was true zeal. D. This again was the characteristic of our own English reformers. You have it in our first reformer, Wycliffe, when he rose up on his sickbed and said to the friars, who wanted him to retract of all he had said against the Pope, I shall not die, but live to declare the villainies of the friars. You have it in Cranmer, dying at the stake, rather than deny Christ's gospel. 
holding forth that hand to be first burned which in a moment of weakness had signed a recantation and saying as he held it in the flames this unworthy hand you have it in old father latimer standing boldly on his faggot at the age of seventy years and saying to ridley courage brother ridley we shall light such a candle this day as by god's grace shall never be put out this was zeal e this again has been the characteristic of all the greatest missionaries you see it in dr judson in carey in morrison in schwartz in williams in brannard in elliot you see it in none more brightly than in henry martin here was a man who would reach the highest academical honors that cambridge could bestow whatever profession he chose to follow he had the most dazzling prospects of success he turned his back upon it all he chose to preach the gospel to poor benighted heathen he went forth to an early grave in a foreign land he said when he got there and saw the condition of the people i could bear to be torn in pieces if i could but hear the sobs of penitence if i could but see the eyes of faith directed to the redeemer this was zeal f but let us look away from all earthly examples and remember that zeal was pre-eminently the characteristic of our lord and saviour jesus christ himself of him it was written hundreds of years before he came upon earth that he was clad with zeal as with a cloak and the zeal of thine house hath even eaten me and his own words were my meat is to do my father's will and to finish his work psalm nineteen verse nine isaiah nine verse seventeen john four verse thirty four where shall we begin if we try to give examples of his zeal where should we end if we once began trace all the narratives of his life in the four gospels read all the history of what he was from the beginning of his ministry to the end surely if there ever was one who was all zeal it was our great example our head our high priest the great shepherd of our profession the lord jesus christ if these things are so we should not only beware of running down zeal but we should also beware of allowing zeal to be run down in our presence it may be badly directed and then it becomes a curse but it may be turned to the highest and best ends and then it is a mighty blessing like fire it is one of the best of servants but like fire also if not well directed it may be the worst of masters listen not to those people who talk of zeal as weakness and enthusiasm listen not to those who see no beauty in missions who laugh at all attempts at the conversion of souls who call societies for sending the gospel to the world useless and who look upon city missions and district visiting and ragged schools and open-air preaching as nothing but foolishness and fanaticism beware lest in joining a cry of that kind you condemn the lord jesus christ himself beware lest you speak against him who has left us an example that we should follow his steps first peter two verse twenty one alas i fear there are many professing christians who if they had lived in the days when our lord and his apostles walked upon earth would have called him and all his followers 
enthusiasts, and fanatics. There are many, I fear, who have more in common with Annas and Cephas, with Pilate and Herod, with Festus and Agrippa, with Felix and Galileo, than with St. Paul and the Lord Jesus Christ. 2. I pass now to the second thing I propose to speak of. When is a man truly zealous in religion? There was never a grace of which Satan has not made a counterfeit. There never was a good coin issued from the mint, but forgers of once have coined something very much like it. It was one of Nero's cruel practices first, to sew up Christians in the skins of wild beasts, and then bait them with dogs. It is one of Satan's devices to place distorted copies of the believer's graces before the eyes of men, and so to bring the true graces into contempt. No grace has suffered so much in this way as zeal. If none, perhaps, are there so many shams and counterfeits abroad. We must therefore clear the ground of all rubbish on this question. We must find out when zeal in religion is really good, and true, and of God. 1. If zeal be true, it will be a zeal according to knowledge. It must not be a blind, ignorant zeal. It must be a calm, reasonable, intelligent principle, which can show the warrant of Scripture for every step it takes. The unconverted Jews had zeal. Paul says, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Romans 10 verse 2. Saul had zeal when he was a persecuting Pharisee. He says himself, in one of his addresses to the Jews, I was zealous towards God, as ye all are this day. Acts 2 verse 3 Manasseh had zeal in the days when he was an idolater. The man who made his own children pass through the fire, who gave up the fruit of his body to Moloch, to atone for the sin of his soul, that man had zeal. James and John had zeal when they would have called down fire on a Samaritan village, but our Lord rebuked them. Peter had zeal when he drew his sword and cut off the ear of Malachus, but he was quite wrong. Bonner and Gardiner had zeal when they burned Ladmer and Cranmer. Were they not in earnest? Let us do them justice. They were zealous, though it was for an unscriptural religion. The members of the Inquisition in Spain had zeal when they tortured men and put them to horrible deaths because they would not forsake the gospel. Yes, they marched down men and women to the stake in solemn procession and called it an act of faith and believed they were doing God's service. The Hindus, who used to lie down before the car of Juggernaut and allow their bodies to be crushed under its wheels, had not they zeal? The Indian widows, who used to burn themselves on the funeral pile of their deceased husbands, the Roman Catholics, who persecuted to death the Vadas and Albigenes, and cast down men and women from rocks and precipices, because they were heretics, had not they zeal? The Saracens, the Crusaders, the Jesuits, the Anabaptists of Munster, the followers of Joanna Southcote, had they not all zeal? Yes, yes, I do not deny it. All these had zeal beyond question. They were all zealous. They were all in earnest. But their zeal was not such zeal as God approves. It was not a zeal according to knowledge. 2. Furthermore, 
if zeal be true, it will be a zeal from true motives. Such is the subtility of the heart, that men will often do right things from wrong motives. Amaziah and Joash, kings of Judah, are striking proofs of this. Just so a man may have zeal about things that are good and bright, but from second-rate motives, and not from a desire to please God. And such zeal is worth nothing. It is reprobate silver. It is utterly wanting when placed in the balance of God. Man only looks at the action. God looks at the motive. Man only thinks of the quantity of work done. God considers the doer's heart. There is such thing as zeal from party spirit. It is quite possible for a man to be unwearied in promoting the interests of his own church or denomination, and yet to have no grace in his own heart, to be ready to die for the peculiar opinions of his own section of Christians, and yet to have no real love to Christ. Such was the zeal of the Pharisees. They compassed sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he was made, they made him twofold more than the child of hell than themselves. Matthew 23, verse 15. This zeal is not true. There is such a thing as zeal from mere selfishness. There are times when it is men's interest to be zealous in religion. Power and patronage are sometimes given to godly men. The good things of the world are sometimes to be attained by wearing a cloak of religion. And whenever this is the case, there is no lack of false zeal. Such was the zeal of Joab when he served David. Such was the zeal of only too many Englishmen in the days of the Commonwealth, when the Puritans were in power. There is such a thing as zeal from the love of praise. Such was the zeal of Jehu when he was putting down the worship of Baal. Remember how he met Jonadab the son of Reshab, and said, Come with me, and see my zeal for the Lord. 2 Kings 10 verse 16 Such is the zeal that Bunyan refers to in Pilgrim's Progress when he speaks of some who went for praise to Mount Zion. Some feed on the praise of their fellow creatures. They would rather have it from Christians than have none at all. It is a sad and humbling proof of man's corruption that there is no degree of self-denial and self-sacrifice to which men may not go from false motives. It does not follow that a man's religion is true because he gives his body to be burned, or because he gives his goods to feed the poor. The Apostle Paul tells us that a man may do this, and yet not have true charity. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, etc. It does not follow because men go into a wilderness and become hermits, that therefore they know what true self-denial is. It does not follow because people immure themselves in monasteries and nunneries, or become sisters of charity and sisters of mercy, that therefore they know what true crucifixion of the flesh and self-sacrifice is in the sight of God. All these things people may do on wrong principles. They may do them from false motives, to satisfy a sacred pride and the love of notoriety, but not from the true motive of zeal for the glory of God. All such zeal, let us understand, is false. It is of earth and not of heaven. 3. Furthermore, if zeal be true, it will be a zeal about things according to God's mind, and sanctioned by plain examples in God's word. 
Take, for one instance, the highest and best kind of zeal. I mean zeal for our own growth and personal holiness. Such zeal will make a man feel incessantly that sin is the mightiest of all evils, and conformity to Christ the greatest of all blessings. It will make him feel that there is nothing which ought not to be done in order to keep a close walk with God. It will make him willing to cut off the right hand or pluck out the right eye or make any sacrifice if only he can attain a closer communion with Jesus. Is not this just what you see in the Apostle Paul? He says, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 27, Philippians 3 verses 13 and 14. Take, for another instance, zeal for the salvation of souls. Such zeal will make a man burn with desire to enlighten the darkness which covers the souls of multitudes and bring to every man, woman, and child he sees to the knowledge of the gospel. Is this not what you see in the Lord Jesus? It is said that he neither gave himself nor his disciples leisure so much as to eat. Mark 6 verse 31. Is this not what you see in the Apostle Paul? He says, I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 22. Take, for another instance, zeal against evil practices. Such zeal will make a man hate everything which God hates, such as drunkenness, slavery, or infanticide, and long to sweep it from the face of the earth. It will make him jealous of God's honor and glory, and look on everything which robs him of it as an offense. Is this not what you see in Phineas, the son of Eleazar, or in Hezekiah and Josiah when they put down adultery? Take, for another instance, zeal for maintaining the doctrines of the gospel. Such zeal will make a man hate unscriptural teaching, just as he hates sin. It will make him regard religious error as a pestilence which must be checked, whatever may be the cost. It will make him scrupulously careful about every jot and tittle of the counsel of God, lest by some omission the whole gospel should be spoiled. Is this not what you see in Paul at Antioch, when he withstood Peter to the face and said he was to be blamed? Galatians 2 verse 11. These are the kind of things about which true zeal is employed. Such zeal, let us understand, is honorable before God. 4. Furthermore, if zeal be true, it will be a zeal tempered with charity and love. It will not be a bitter zeal. It will not be a fierce enmity against persons. It will not be a zeal ready to take the sword and to smite with carnal weapons. The weapons of true zeal are not carnal, but spiritual. True zeal will hate sin and yet love the sinner. True zeal will hate heresy and yet love the heretic. True zeal will long to break the idol, but deeply pity the adulterer. True zeal will abhor any kind of wickedness, but labor to do good even to the vilest of transgressors. 
true zeal will warn as st paul warned the galatians and yet feel tenderly as a nurse or a mother over erring children it will expose false teachers as jesus did the scribes and pharisees and yet weep tenderly as jesus did over jerusalem when he came near to it for the last time true zeal will be decided as a surgeon dealing with a diseased limb but true zeal will be gentle as one that is dressing the wounds of a brother true zeal will speak truth boldly like anthanasis against the world and not care who is offended but true zeal will endeavor in all its speaking to speak the truth in love end of zeal part one